Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Product Marketing Alliance podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Jogger. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. This week's episode is brought to you by AppCues. Have you ever launched a new feature that went unused? Waited days or even weeks to get that user data you requested? You're not alone. We're still way too dependent on developers. That's why product marketers around the world are calling AppCues their new favorite product marketing tool. AppCues empowers product marketers to measure and improve product adoption without a developer. Brands like Amplitude, Privy, Fullstory, and Lyft use AppCues to track feature usage and engage users with in-app onboarding tours, feature announcements, and surveys. No code required. Visit appcues.com to start your free trial today. Today, I'm chatting with Al D, host of one of the PMA's newest podcasts, Product Marketing Careers. Al, currently on sabbatical, spent close to four years as a product marketing manager at Salesforce, another five years as a consultant at Deloitte and Deloitte Digital before that. With an MBA from the Keenan Flagler Business School, Al also offers career leadership coaching as founder of MBA Schooled, helping hundreds of professionals achieve their career goals. As host of product marketing careers, Al welcomes product marketing professionals to share their insights into their PMM journey, practical tips, and technical career guidance on how to start and grow your product marketing career. During our chat, Al and I discuss breaking into product marketing, what a successful start to a career in product marketing looks like, and how to map out your first 30, 60, 90 in a new role. All right, with that out of the way, let's get into it. Hey, Al, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. Thanks so much for, for having me on the show. I'm excited to get to chat with you about all things uh, product marketing. Likewise, thanks so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. So, Al, before we get into all things related to your career in product marketing, uh, can you tell our listeners a bit more about your own career journey so far? Yeah, sure. And I guess first and foremost, as I said, again, thank you for having me on the show. I'm a big fan of, of love listening to this and just uh, appreciate all the contributions that you're making to the broader product marketing you know, community. Um, so with that, so a little bit about me and just a little bit about myself. So growing up, I think I realized that there were three things that I, I loved. And the, and the first was, was working on teams. Uh, I loved working on teams, working with other people, um, the second thing I loved was that I loved solving problems. I've always been very curious and I've always loved being able to uh, look at a problem, try to find creative ways to solve it, and then work towards actually uh, achieving a goal. And then the last thing that I really enjoyed was that I, I loved being at the nexus of either two groups or a bunch of different groups or a bunch of different teams, stakeholders, et cetera. And what eventually that led me to do is in college and undergrad, I studied uh, business and theology. And so I, I ended up doing what uh, a lot of business and theology majors who don't know what they want to do end up doing is I, I went into management consulting. So I started my career as a management consultant, uh, worked at Deloitte Consulting for a number of years, uh, went back to go and get my MBA, uh, returned to Deloitte for a few more years before uh, making the pivot into product marketing, where for the past uh, four years or so, I spent at Salesforce doing product marketing uh, for the customer success and professional services organization there. Uh, and uh, kind of going back to, you know, what you asked, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career journey. I really do think if you look at those three things that I highlighted in terms of working on teams, solving problems, and, and kind of being that linchpin and liaison, uh, that really kind of highlights both my time as a consultant, as well as, you know, my time as a product marketer as well, for that matter. Right on. Yeah, let me also start by thanking you for obviously your own contributions of PMA, which we'll get into a little bit later on in our conversation. Uh, and for the kind words, I appreciate that as well. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you actually two things based on your, your answer just now. I'm curious, business and theology is not a combination I often hear. Uh, 
Uh, how have you found the theology aspect of things has helped you, if at all, in your business dealings, whether as a consultant or as a product marketer? It's a great question. And out of undergrad, a lot of people used to joke with me. They, they said, oh, are you going to do like marketing or branding for like the Catholic church or a different church or, or something like that? And yeah, I mean, I think very tactically in, in my undergraduate studies, a lot of my theology classes involved a lot of reading, a lot of writing, a lot of sharing ideas. Exams oftentimes were you having a conversation with a professor or you writing a very long paper. Um, at the time in undergrad, my, my business classes, a lot of them were really understanding and learning the fundamentals of business. A lot of times that involved working on teams, being in a group project and putting together presentations or having to learn equations or a lot of more quantitative stuff. And just from a sheer right brain, left brain perspective, it was a really great blend in terms of really stretching my mind in different ways. But I, I think for me, where I think theology has really come in to help, you know, in addition to certainly uh, being religious for myself, I, I think it's helped me understand the, the, that the world is, is, is a big place and that there are a lot of people in the world with a lot of different ideas and beliefs of, of who they are and what the world means. And it's given me a broader perspective in terms of the work that I've done in my career or just my everyday dealings. But what it's also really forced me to do is to think deeply about the underlying beliefs of different people and how they think and operate, which I think has given me a greater sense of empathy, which as you and I both know, is, is often talked about as a really critical skill as a product marketer. So I, I, that's kind of how I think about it and, and how I see it really playing in, even if I will absolutely tell you, I had no idea back then why that was going to, or how that was even going to play a role uh, in my career or in my life. It just seemed like an, a really interesting thing to study, something I was curious about and something that, uh, quite frankly, I, I took a bunch of classes and then I realized, oh, I'm just a couple more just away from, you know, being a minor. And so I ended up studying it. So that's, that's how it came to life. I love that. And I think a lot of people during their undergraduate or even they're just their academic journeys in general, find themselves in similar situations where they'll take a smattering of courses in an area that interests them, but isn't necessarily directly aligned with what their career trajectory or goals are. Uh, but they end up, you know, reaping benefits um, in very unique and interesting ways. And I think some of the ones that you highlighted on make a ton of sense. I agree with you 100% around the empathy piece. I, I, you know, myself having a religion upbringing as well can absolutely attribute to that understanding of other people's perspectives and experiences and how that relates to empathy. So I can definitely, uh, you know, relate to, to that aspect of things. I do want to ask you another follow-up question though, as well. And it's very similar in nature and that's around being a consultant. You know, I got a lot of um, friends that I made through school who ended up in the consulting world and continue to work in that space for, um, for a long time and, and up until today. So I'm curious, along similar lines of my previous question, how has your time in consulting made you a better product marketer? Yeah, I, in a lot of different ways. I, I think to start, I, I liken being a consultant to being a professional problem solver. Your job is for you to solve problems and challenges that your clients uh, can't solve on their own or that they want other people to help them solve and think through. And I think just you in consulting in particular, particularly if you were like me and worked at one of the, the larger ones and more established ones, the ways in which you're taught to think and frame problems and then to go to figure out how to solve them, as well as the tactical skills that you gain just from learning uh, how to do that and really learning how to uh, 
think through things, how to uh, attack ideas, how to break down ideas, um, how to then take a set of very vague instructions and operationalize against it to find a solution. Uh, all of those are super valuable things to whatever, whatever you end up doing. And in particular, what you do as a product marketer. So I think just that general kind of problem solving mindset was super, super valuable. I think the, the second piece of it that was valuable and I highlighted in the beginning, working in consulting is very much a cross-functional opportunity. You're either working with cross-functional in the sense of if you're on an engagement with a client, working with multiple business units, cross-functional in the sense that a lot of times you show up to the client with uh, you and the team, but you're relying on other folks within your company to help in certain ways. And you have to bring them into the fold, cross-functional in the sense that sometimes you're working with a client and maybe another consulting firm and another vendor. Again, all of those things are super valuable to, to certainly being a product marketer. Um, I think the third thing is, is that you know, a lot of times as consultants, particularly when we're getting towards those final stages of a, of a project and we have to make a presentation, we are thinking about the story, right? And, and what's the story that we're trying to tell? How are we trying to convey this solution or this information in a way that elicits a positive reaction and that moves people, uh, particularly a senior management team, to take action? And again, as you and I both know, storytelling is very much a component of being a product marketer. So there's a whole litany of other things, but those are the ones that really stand out to me as the things that are, I think about from being a consultant that I often use the most in, uh, over the past couple of years, you know, as a product marketer at Salesforce. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think those three things, and like you mentioned, there's probably a lot more, uh, definitely sound like they would make you that much better of a product marketer. And I know consultants typically, if they don't want to stay in the consulting world, tend to exit into a variety of different industries. But you're the first that I've actually met and had the chance to chat with who transitioned from consulting into product marketing. And I think the way you framed it should demonstrate to others, maybe in the consulting space, thinking about what their next move might be, that a career in product marketing is definitely an option and yeah. uh, a, really, a really good one to consider. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that, that information. I wanted to talk with you a little bit about, as well, your experiences in pursuing your MBA. So I myself have pursued an MBA. I've chatted with a number of product marketers who have done that as well. And I'm always curious to find out you know, why they decided to pursue an MBA. I, I fortunately have actually got to, to work in the academic space, uh, not specifically around the MBA program itself, but around you know, master's studies in business. So I've heard a lot of different reasons. Um, so I'm curious about what yours were and why you felt it made sense. And if you can, maybe give any advice or things to consider for anyone you know, thinking about pursuing an MBA themselves. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And it's one that, that particularly comes up a, a lot when I talk to folks who are trying to further develop their careers. And I think that's the lens from which to, to start with in terms of why it was important to me and why I think it, it is a very valid question. I, for me, at least, the, the conversation around an MBA was a matter of, of when, not if. And part of that reason was because I come from a family that really valued education. Um, both my parents were immigrants to the United States and, and education was, was really, in, and specifically higher education, was really their ticket uh, to being able to achieve the, the life and, and career that they, that they wanted. Um, but more acutely, uh, both of them went to business school and got MBAs. And a fun fact about my immediate family is that uh, my entire family has gone to business school and gotten their MBA. So uh, my dad went to Duke, my mom went to Michigan State, my sister went to UCLA, and I went to UNC Chapel Hill. But 
I think, you know, outside of just, you know, when you're exposed to education, when it's given to you as a value and when you're, it's talked about at the dinner table, it's inherently going to come up and, and help you uh, stay top of mind. But I think as I got older and more into my career and started off, you know, I very quickly realized a couple different things. I think number one, I knew that even early on in my career, I didn't know what the rest of my career was going to look like, but I, but I wanted to be a leader of people and I wanted to be a manager. And I knew that an MBA education was a lens where I could really develop uh, some of those leadership and management skills outside of what I was already getting, you know, at the current, current point and current juncture. You know, the other thing I realized was that as I, even back then, and uh, you know, a lot of the things that led me up to getting an MBA were, were not things, choices I made. It was more the environment I was in. But one of the th smart things I think I did and saw early on in my career was that I came around to this idea and concept that whatever I was doing right now, I was not going to be doing forever. And at various points, there were probably going to be times when I was going to need uh, to pivot, either to change careers, uh, to change functions, or to change industries. I didn't know what it was going to look like. But even back when I was applying to business school, probably around 2012, uh, I knew at the time and I could see kind of the sea changes that, um, you know, we weren't going to be working for th the same company for 30 to 40 years. So one of the best ways to kind of pivot your career or to be able to continuously pivot your careers is to have some sort of advanced education. Um, and then I think the, the last thing, you know, for me was... I've always been a learner and a curious learner. And I knew that being in an academic environment was always going to be valuable to me because I knew I was going to make the most of it. I knew I was going to learn and push myself and gain new skills and all types of things. And so, um, you know, that in addition to just where I was in my career and wanting to take the next step were a lot of the reasons why I went and got an MBA. Uh, but to your other question and just about, you know, what should other people be thinking about or whether it makes sense to pursue it or not, you know, where we are today, if we think about, you know, this is 2021, we just have gone through a huge transformation, uh, uh, whether we wanted to or not over the past 18 months, or, or maybe multiple transformations, just in terms of life and work and uh, the way in which the world is. And, you know, I'm often kind of think about this notion and this idea that particularly, you know, we work in the technology industry, and we know that um, the rate of change isn't going to slow down anytime soon. If anything, it's only going to get faster. And what that really means is that if the market is evolving. If we're not, we're falling behind. And I think that in order to keep up with that, people, employees, managers, leaders, they're going to continuously have to learn, unlearn, and relearn. And I think there's a lot of ways you can do that. One of them is through formal education, like an MBA degree. Um, others are through other types of things, more like uh, on-demand learning, whether that's just what you're doing you know, on the job or through an online course or looking at YouTube videos. And then there's plenty of other things that are in between. Uh, an MBA is one way to continue to learn, unlearn, relearn, and to continuously pivot throughout your career. It's not the only way. Uh, and certainly transparently, it's not the least expensive way either. Uh, but I do believe that it is a great way for a lot of people. And so uh, whenever you know people ask, you know, should I kind of get an MBA? I mean, I think it always kind of starts with what are your short and long-term goals and, and how does an MBA kind of help you get there? But I think bigger than that, the bigger question I think people should be asking themselves is, you know, as I kind of go through my career, you know, what are the ways in which I want to learn and grow? And what are the opportunities that are, you know, made for me in order to be able to do that? So that's kind of my, my take on it. But I know you have been in this space too. And so I'm just curious what your thoughts are, or if you have a perspective on it, or, or what you, for that matter, counsel other people to do. Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, I think 
<clears throat> in my experiences, some of the reasons that I've heard are, are very similar to the ones that you kind of outlined as well. And when I used to work in the academic space, I would get asked the question all the time, should I pursue an MBA? Should I pursue other types of learning as you alluded to? And really the questions that I would then ask back to the individual who was asking me that question was, okay, well, what are you hoping to get out of the MBA? So to your point, what are your short and long-term goals? And some of the answers that we would often hear is, like you mentioned, making some kind of career pivot. You know, I'm in industry A, but I really want to be in industry, you know, B. The only way for me to do that is to go back to school, pick up some of that tactical knowledge that I just lack today, and also just to get in front of recruiters and be in that environment where I know people are looking for bright people to fill those open positions. So that was a big one. Another one is the sense of, I'm in an industry today that I like, but I know to your, again, your earlier point to either because uh, become uh, a more senior represent a person in my company or to eventually lead people, I need to pursue an MBA just to have that as kind of a feather in my cap, but also pick up some of those leadership skills that you just kind of organically or, you know, just through doing coursework, pick up as part of the program. But one of the things that I think you mentioned that I find interesting that I didn't often hear is that just that passion and desire to continuously learn. I think a lot of the times people approach an MBA as like, again, like a very transactional thing. I'm going to be paying the school, like you mentioned, a lot of money, and I'm going to be getting this degree in exchange. And hopefully I can then translate that degree into a career that I'm excited about. And that also pays me quite well. Um, but I think that part that often goes missing is that piece of, I just want to learn. And I think as product marketers, we have to push ourselves and challenge ourselves to always come from that lens of that mindset of, what can I do to constantly be learning? Like you said, whether that's an MBA, yeah. whether that's a course through the PMA or elsewhere, yeah. I think that's a question that a good product marketer should be always asking themselves is what can I be doing to learn? Whether it's about the field of product marketing, my customers, sure. the teams yeah. I support, that's a really um, important question. And that's why I'm really glad you brought it up because I think it's a question that sometimes we forget to ask ourselves. Sure. And and not to uh, give too much of a commercial plug for the Pro Product Marketing Alliance, but that is a great reason why the Product Marketing Alliance exists, right? To the point that you made in terms of continuously learning, you don't need to go back to school full-time to, to go and learn. You could find an intermediary like the various things that Product Marketing Alliance offers, whether it is just engaging in the Slack channel with other peers, right? And social learning, whether it is taking some of the, the courses that they offer as well as the certifications to, to uplevel your skills. There's a huge space between doing nothing and going back full time. And my, my point I always make to people is it, it, it's not about whether you should get one or not. It's more about if you, do you agree that learning to fuel your own growth is important? And if so, what is the best method we can get you to? And also they're not mutually exclusive because I went and got my MBA and I still very much engage in, in, in other types of learning as well. So I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And again, uh, a shout out to the Product Marketing Alliance and all the things that they do. Yeah, right on. You know, we're not done you know, touting the PMA just yet as well because I do want to spend some time talking about you know, the shared connection that we have and that's being hosts of shows for the, the PMA itself. And for any of our listeners who haven't listened to your show yet, and if you haven't, I encourage you to immediately after this episode to go and check it out because um, Al runs a great show over um, over there. Um, could you just give our listeners of this show just a, a brief overview of, of your own show that you're doing with the PMA and, and maybe even pitch them on why you feel like they should listen? Sure. So the Product Marketing Careers podcast is a podcast and show 
For individuals who are looking to break into product marketing for the first time, or someone who is in their first role, and they're really trying to accelerate their learning and growth in that first role to up-level or to maybe break through and get that first promotion. As you and I both know, um, great products solve problems for specific users. And so the way that I think about the show is in this podcast is that uh, the, this podcast uh, really helps those people, the specific users being either people who are trying to break in for the first time or people who have broken in and are trying to up-level so that they can learn about the various journeys of more experienced PMMs, as well as to learn the best practices, uh, various lessons that are learned, and then specific guidance so that either these individuals can land that first role or build the skills they need so that they can up-level uh, and be an even better PMM. And really what this really comes back to for me is that is just this idea that whenever, for the most part, you're trying to go out and do something, whether it's to make a career switch or to get better at what you do, most of the time, there is something or someone out there who has done something similar before that you can learn from. A lot of the times that knowledge lives in someone's head. And the value of something like a podcast like yours or a podcast like mine is that it's a great way to start democratizing some of that knowledge at scale uh, to further the development of PMMs out there that exist right now, as well as to grow the size of the market of uh, aspiring PMMs so that there can be even more people that, that break into this field. And so that's really what uh, this, this podcast, who's, who it's for, and specifically kinds of the problems that it solves if we're, if we're using a, a product marketing kind of framework to think about uh, who the show is for and, and what it does. Yeah, I love that. You can, you can never take the product marketing uh, hat. No, you, you really can't. <laughs> you really can't. One thing I will say as well, and I love that idea of democratizing the knowledge because I think there's a lot of work to be done in that space because product marketing, you know, depending on your perspective and how you look at things, for some is a new field, others would argue it's been around for a long time, just in different sure. transformations or, or not transformations, but in different places um, under different titles. But what I will also say is what I have found, and this is not for me personally, but what I've heard others say is that shows like yours especially are great for individuals who want to get at that knowledge, but might not necessarily be comfortable as of yet approaching others for that information proactively and having those conversations. I think the great thing about podcasts uh, is that you can turn it on, you can listen, you can be doing things uh, at the same time and, and have it on the background, or you can kind of just sit and consume the information and feel like you're having that conversation um, yourself, um, even if you're not actively participating. So for anyone who's maybe needing to build up the courage to ask those questions to experienced product marketers about how they too can get into the their uh, product marketing space, I think they should absolutely listen to Al's show and, and consider that as like the entry point to then having those conversations uh, online or face-to-face -face with people who have been there. So uh, yeah, I, 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 I love that idea of democratizing the knowledge. Yeah, no, I mean, I think going back to what, uh, what we just, what we talked about this idea around learning, right? Um, one of the ways you you learn is is from from others and and from their experiences, right? And it can be again going back to this notion. There's a lot of ways to learn. Uh, some of it can be through actual courses, and some of it can just be on your own and, and being more self directed. And so, I'm, I you know, for me at least, uh, part of the reason, and I I'm curious from your perspective what it was like for you, but part of the reason why I wanted to create the show was it helped solve a problem that I know I struggled with previously. And it was kind of like the, 
well, if I struggled with this, I wonder if other people kind of struggled with this too. And if other people struggle with this too, well, then maybe we should try to do something about this. And, and that was part of how this all came about as well. And, and having, you know, the good fortune of talking with more and more people, it was something when I kind of raised this with them, it, it also resonated too. But again, I, I think being able to share information and knowledge and insights uh, with other people is, is always a good thing. And if anything, it just always helps advance the profession. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think in terms of this show and how I kind of maybe stumbled into it is the wrong phrase, but but took over hosting reins, um, at least was, I really had been listening to the show for some time and I was really uh, passionate about it and had enjoyed the conversations that had taken uh, place to date. Um, but I always felt as though it could have benefited from having a product marketer host it who could have conversations, I hope, like the one we're having right now, um, that kind of push the topics forward um, and really have those critical conversations between two product marketers. And I was fortunate enough that the show already existed before I came aboard. So I didn't have to do a lot of the hard work that you've done in terms of identifying, again, what the purpose of the podcast is and I, uh, who it's for and the structure and all that. So I'm very lucky in that regard, but that was a big part of it. Um, the other part too, just selfishly, was I wanted to talk to more product marketers. Um, sure. You know, I. Yep. Yeah, I like I'm sure many others found themselves as the lone product marketer organization. And mm, you know, yeah. I obviously had the PMA community to ask questions to, but I didn't really have anyone to like talk to on a regular basis. So I felt the podcast was a great opportunity to just meet other intelligent and, and creative PMs in the space, learn more about them, share, help share some of those insights and their learnings with others and just be part of that that ride, as it were. So yeah, I, I've I've enjoyed hosting so far i think i think you're actually the 10th or 11th episode i've hosted so okay yeah um, still very very early days but i'm enjoying it a ton and hopefully our listeners are as well yeah yeah that's great well and not to toot my own horn here but to the one of the things that i i, I just said previously you know whenever you think you have a problem or a challenge one of the funny things is that you quickly realize that you're definitely not the only one to have that problem or challenge and what you just said to me in terms of being the only PMM at your company is, is definitely something I've, I've heard from other PMMs that I've talked to, you know, previously. And, and the great thing is, is that you went and did something about that in terms of engaging with the community and, and meeting other people and, and, and working to kind of solve through that. So uh, I love that you took the initiative to go and do that though. That's really great. Thanks Al. Yeah. I think as product marketers, we have to show that initiative. It's kind of ingrained in of our course. core to act, right? So just doing what others would do, I'm sure in a similar situation. So as you said, you've you know been fortunate enough throughout your career either as a career coach um, in the in the business that you run or as host of your show to chat with countless successful product marketers. Uh, you know, you being one yourself, I'm curious if you can give our listeners an idea of what you feel a successful start uh, to a career in product marketing looks like, um, either at a very high level or in terms of you know what sort of things they should look to be achieving to. Def loosely define that as being a successful start. Sure. And so I think for, well, I'd say a couple of things. I mean, I think the, 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 the funny thing about success is that it, it, not funny, but the thing about success is that it, it looks different for everyone. And, and so I'm going to share some of my thoughts, but I think the better question to ask is really about what does success mean for you? Because what someone, you know, person A may think of as successful, uh, to them may be diff slightly different than what person B does. And, and so I'll, I'll say that with a disclaimer, but I'll, I'll kind of talk through a couple ideas for, and this is really geared at folks who are in that first role and, and trying to be successful in it. So I, I think, you know, I think first and foremost, doing exceptional work solves a lot of, solves a lot of challenges right away, right? Like right off the bat, right? Um, and, and I know that it's a, 
it's a pretty uh, trite thing to say, but it, but it often is true. And so uh, the, the, the quicker you can get to producing successful work and, and really great work is going to help you kind of ramp as well as it's going to buy you some credibility as well as some uh, gravitas with your, with your peers, whether those are your teammates or whether those are your cross-functional partners. And being able to do successful work, I think, is a combination of two things. Number one, it's an understanding of what good looks like. Right. And then number two, it's actually having the tools to go and do it. And then third, uh, sorry, I lied. Three things. The third piece of element to that is making sure other people are aware of what you're doing and understand the impact of what you're doing. So understanding what good looks like really comes from taking the time to talk to other people in your company uh, to understand what does a good launch look like? What does a good sales playbook look like? What is what is a good messaging and positioning doc look like? What does a good product roadmap look like? And really getting granular to understanding what, what really that is. And certainly, whether that's your teammate or teammates or whether that's your partners or, or, or even looking externally, um, you know, that, that, that certainly is part of his understanding it. The second piece is, is figuring out how to actually do it, right? And that's, that's where the rubber really meets the road in terms of being able to execute on that and, and to do so in, in the right way and, and to do it in a way where, you know, particularly if it is your first role, you're, you're not going to get it right all at once, but do you have the gumption and the groundedness to iterate, to get feedback, to work through kind of that messy middle sometimes to get towards the end result? And then the last piece of it to be able to make sure others uh, know what you're working on and the impact of it. Uh, th this, this is particularly true in, in larger companies. There's so much stuff that's going on. Uh, and I always like to tell people, if, if a tree falls in the forest and it doesn't, you know, no one's around, does it, uh, you know, does it make a sound or does it make a noise? And that's kind of how I liken doing exceptional work in a company. If you do this exceptional work that makes an impact, but nobody knows about it, did you really, did, what did you really do? And it's an unfortunate kind of thing of just working in a large company that has a lot of stuff going on at once, but making really sure that people know the work of what you're doing and how it's driving uh, the business forward, I think is really, really important and is a really hard lesson. I think a lot of people have to learn because a lot of people think understandably so that doing exceptional work is enough, but it, in reality, it's, it's not. Um, and there's a, it's a whole different podcast we can go into, but I think those are, when I think about, you know, what does a successful career look like? It, it starts with that. Um, I think maybe, I'm not sure if this is where you're going in the direction of this. And certainly I would love to hear what you think on this, but there's a couple ways to kind of think about this just in terms of progression or in terms of, you know, developing. So one way is to go broad. And I mean, what I mean by broad is like, let's say you start off as a product marketing manager. So maybe you start with product launches, then you move on to sales enablement, then you move on to customer marketing, then you move on to uh, being able to do uh, go to more go to market, then you maybe move on to competitive intelligence. And so you're kind of going through the various kind of competencies and capabilities of a product marketer in a broad kind of manner and getting exposure, getting experience, getting projects across all of those broad kind of capabilities of being a PMM. The other way to do it is to go deep, right? And, and going deep means you're going to be excellent at go-to-market and just laser focus on being an exceptional go-to-market product marketer, or you're going to be exceptional at the product roadmap, at product launches, et cetera, and things like that. There's a multitude of different factors of what will drive that. Uh, I think most importantly, part of that should come from what you as a product marketer are most interested in or where you see yourself 
shining through. Uh, but broad and deep are, are, are typically from a pathway and progression and development perspective are the two places I kind of start. But I don't know. I mean, what what do you think or or what or and that for that matter, like does does that mental model even fit at all for for your career and your in, in your growth? A hundred percent. I think that's a, a model that I've heard others mention on other shows and podcasts around this topic as well. So I couldn't agree with you more. I think for me personally, the way I've always approached it as I think to be a strong product marketing manager um, at any level, whether it's an analyst, you know, a senior leader, I think you have to spend some time at some point being that generalist and getting that broad view because it helps you understand all aspects of the product marketing function. Like you said, those core competencies and capabilities that I think every product marketer, even if they're not experts in some of those areas, at least has to understand, right? To me, I liken it to the topic of, you know, when you take marketing in school, right? Usually the entry-level marketing course just talks about all the different areas of marketing, right? You've got content, you've got demand generation, you've got branding, you've got creative. Like there's so many aspects of marketing, such a broad topic. And product marketing is, uh, you know, a sliver of that. But even within product marketing, there's so many different areas you can get into. And you mentioned several of them, so I won't repeat it. But I feel like you have to at least start there. And then over time, as you do some of those things, then I think it makes sense if you want to, you can choose I really like this broad thing. I like to do a bunch of different things all the time. And that's kind of where I personally find myself. Um, so I want to stay that generalist. However, I think there is a group of product marketers who will start as a generalist and say, oh, I, you know, I enjoy doing this, but maybe I don't enjoy doing this part of product marketing as much. So I do really want to go deep in this one area that I'm super passionate about. And I think that's perfectly fine. I would argue though, and maybe argue is a strong word, but I would recommend if anybody was asking me this question or coming to me for advice to say, Unless you truly know what you're passionate about within product marketing, and it, it usually takes time to figure that out, start broad. And then if you really find an area that you love, then go deep. I think doing the opposite, it would be harder to go from deep to then broad and become a generalist um, after the fact. But again, that's just my personal opinion. Everybody's career path is, is different. And again, we liken it to a jungle gym, not just a ladder. So depending on how you find yourself on that jungle gym, you might be able to go broad versus deep. Um, but not everybody yeah. has theory. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, I, I think you're totally, I, I would agree with that. And that has, I would say kind of been my experience as well. I, you know, my first role, I was able to be a little bit more general and I was able to do a lot of the different things. And I, I, I typically have kind of stayed that way personally, but that said, you know, and one of the other things too, and why I said some of this is also just external factors. Uh, you know, I worked I worked at a company that had 65,000 employees and, and we had a large product marketing organization. And so um, what you've often found is that you had a mix of both where, because you had some teams where they were just so big that it really was about specialization. And then you'd have other teams that were small and really scrappy and you kind of had to do whatever, you know, that said, I, I've talked to folks who are at startups or maybe in the case of you, where you are the only product marketer. And you don't really have a you don't really have a choice. Like you you really you, you kind of have to do a little bit of everything, right? Because there's there's no one else to 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 really kind of pick up the slack. And so uh, I but I agree with you in the sense of if your aim is to really, particularly in that first role, if you're really trying to learn about the opportunities that exist under the umbrella of product marketing, I think it makes a lot of sense to to be more of of a, of a generalist at least to start and then after that you can kind of figure out if you want to stay that way or, or start to specialize a little bit more yeah absolutely and, and you know i'm fortunate enough i find myself today in my current role 
that there I am part of a, a bigger team today. You know, in a previous role, I was one of um, the only product marketers to begin with, and then that team also grew. But yeah, where I am today, I think we're kind of experiencing a similar kind of trajectory. We're still, you know, we're not a 65,000 uh, person company, uh, but we are growing. And in doing that, the product marketing function is also growing. So while we still, while we still are all relatively generalist, there are certain areas within product marketing that we're each focusing on, right? We've, you know, I myself am digging a little bit deeper into competitive intelligence. I've got another product marketing manager um, who's focusing a little bit more on pricing and packaging. So I think, like you said, that kind of just naturally evolves over time as the function grows within an organization. Um, so yeah, I think it's, like you said, important to understand where you are in your career and what you want to get out of the experience, but also where your company is in terms of its overall growth and what opportunities might live within that company for product marketers to specialize sure. versus state generalist. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. So speaking of finding yourself at an organization, either as a lone product marketer or part of a larger team, you have to start somewhere. And typically when a lot of people think about starting, they think about their 30, 60, 90 plan. I've worked at organizations where that was one of the first projects I was assigned was come up with your 30, 60, 90. Here's a template, go fill it out. And then your manager will work with you on making changes. Um, and I've worked at others where it wasn't necessarily documented, but it was almost implied that you should have some kind of plan in place. So on the topic of 30, 60, 90s, I'm curious if you have any recommendations or insights um, or suggestions on how someone should approach mapping out even roughly what their first 30, 60, 90 should look like. Sure. I think it's it's a great question. And I, I think I would say for starters, the fact that you even have the question about that is, is, is powerful in and of itself and is a great first step, great first start, because it is very easy to forget uh, to ask that question. So I would say I'd give a couple kind of uh, principles to kind of thinking through this and to framing this up for people. So the, the, the first, the first one I would, I would say is this idea of outcomes versus actions, right? And I think a lot of times it's very easy to approach a 30, 60, 90 day plan, kind of like the, the to-do list for the weekend of the things that you need to do. And I think the better way to kind of think about it are, 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 are from an outcomes perspective, right? As, and, and the difference being really anchoring on the, the value that you're producing versus the, the inputs that you're, that you're just checking off the box. And so as you're thinking about that and framing it up, that is something you, you should be talking about with your manager. And by the way, you don't necessarily have to have the answer to these. These, you know, part of the reason why you're, you're going to work for this company and why you have a manager in the first place is because that is part of their job is to help you uh, think through this. And so if you don't have all the answers, that's okay. But even just really, but trying to make sure that you're anchoring on that is a really important I think the second thing that I would think about is listening versus doing. And particularly early on, um, you know, I kind of go back to that thing your parents tell you when you're a kid, or at least my parents told me when I was a kid, where uh, you have one mouth and, and two ears for, for a reason. And I think that's really important, particularly when you're first starting at a, at a company, because there are people who work at that company who could literally forget more about their knowledge of what it is that you're doing than, than you know. And so, uh, that's not to say that you don't bring value in that you're not an asset, but particularly when you start, I think it's really, really important to kind of get the right balance of listening and understanding what's going on before you, you, you dive into something. And, and that was something I learned a lot working in consulting because, you know, a lot of times we were coming into organizations where you'd have these people who had been there for 25 years and sure, like I'm smart and can do a lot of research and offer up suggestions, but it would be naive for me to think that 
their value and the insights they bring could um, isn't as nearly as important or just as important as what I would bring. And so making sure you have the right balance on that 3698 plan of, of listening and figuring out what's going on uh, uh, versus like trying to jump in and do, do something right away. And then the last thing I would say is uh, relationships. Uh, in really thinking about who who are the people that you need to get to know, that you need to build trust with really, really fast and making sure you're spending the right time, you know, doing that. And I think those are the three kind of principles I, I kind of think about with a 3069 day plan, uh, really focusing on outcomes, really looking at that percentage of, of listening versus doing, and then really thinking about that list of people that you need to build relationships with because the, the role of a product marketer is cross-functional and you don't, you do, you do very little things by yourself in a silo. And so, um, I, I think for those, those are the three principles I kind of live and die by for that, that 30, 60, 90 day plan. I love that. I think that's such a great lens and, and set of principles to, to approach 30, 60, 90 through. And I think you're hundred percent right around this concept of not many, making it turn into a, a list of things that you have to do or a checkbox. I think oftentimes, and I'm speaking from experience, starting as a product marketing manager, especially as a loan product marketing manager, you're just immediately thrown into, okay, this is a function we didn't have before. We're bringing it in because people didn't have the, the time to do X, Y, Z. So now you're going to be doing X, Y, Z to begin with. And the 3069 just becomes another one of those tasks that you have to get done in your first 30, 60, 90 days. So I absolutely agree that, you know, as a product marketer starting in the role, I think it's important for you to have the conversation with your manager and maybe even push back in a way as best you can to say like, hey, I know you want me to do all these things, but if you just give me the time to really think critically and apply those three principles that you just shared with us, Al, and, and just like take the time to digest it and approach it and really think critically about it, I can guarantee you that my output and those outcomes are going to be that much better than they would have been had you just thrown me in head first and asked me to do these right. things right from the start. Right, um, right. So I, no, I, I love that. Mind. I think that's really important. And I, and I love what you said, because like at the end of the day, I mean, yes, like there's a million things going on and it's important to add value and it's important to be contributing. But if it's a new hire and we're really being honest here, what really is going to be the difference of an additional 30 days if it really is going to get you a really meaningful outcome, right? Yeah. Like the number is kind of to a certain extent relevant. I mean, not to mention there's, there's a lot of research out there that suggests that typically speaking, it really takes about a new employee, about a full six to eight months to really, to really ramp. And so if you're taking 120 days versus 90 you're still coming in two months early, right? So yeah. I, I think it's right. But I, I, I think what it also shows in that case, or if I'm putting my shoes, uh, putting myself in the shoes of potentially a manager, if a direct report who's new comes back to me and says, look, this is really important, but I did the work and I realized like, I'm going to need a little bit more time, but here's why. And here's what I think I can do. Uh, that shows a lot of ownership. That shows a lot of thought and it shows a lot of conscientiousness and those are all the things I want on a product market or anyway. So I, I'm probably going to uh, be like, okay, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you, you don't get what you don't ask for too. Right. So sure. not being yes. afraid to ask and have that conversation, I think is an important thing to, uh, to keep in mind. Awesome. Well, this has been an incredible conversation. I really enjoyed our chat today. 
And before I let you go, you know, I typically ask my guests the same question on every episode, but it's a question that you've actually framed the entire show around. So I don't think it, it makes sense or would even do your answer justice to try and have you answer it now. So I actually wanted to ask you a question that I've heard you ask on your own show that I really enjoyed hearing answers to. And that's, you know, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah. And first off, thank you for uh, for listening to my show and recognizing I always ask that question. I, I, I do, I really enjoy, I do enjoy, you know, hearing that about people. And I, I do think that, um, and we know this from, you know, adult psychology or psychology that so much of what happens as a kid does, does impact who we are as adults. So when I was a kid, I remember hearing the story told to me by my parents, but one of the times my, my neighbor was having like a, a camp out in their backyard. It was a nice, it was a nice evening and uh, it was maybe a couple of my friends and they were asking all of us, oh, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think I was maybe like five. And I was told that I said I wanted to be a firefighter, an engineer, an athlete and a businessman. So, so far, I've gone one for four, roughly speaking. Um, but the one that I really glommed onto early on in my, my life was, was an athlete. And I was a uh, my the sport that I mostly I played a bunch of different sports, but the sport that I mostly played was, was basketball. And growing up as a kid, I was, I was very short, um, particularly for my age. And I'm not exactly the tallest now, but I was particularly short. And when you're short as a kid playing basketball, there's only one position you can play, and that's point guard. But it was a really fitting role for me. I really kind of leaned into it and really kind of enjoyed it. Just as the point guard, you're usually the one who is, uh, you know, handling the ball, you're motivating your teammates, you're calling, you know, as you get older, you're calling plays, you're serving as kind of the chief motivator. Uh, you don't know, you, you know, you're, you're not always the one who's going to always be the best player, but you're always kind of the leader on the floor at any given time. And that was a role that I really leaned into and really enjoyed. You know, I loved kind of being the glue guy on the team. I loved motivating people. I loved, I loved kind of bringing the energy uh, when I could, in addition to kind of being a good player. Um, obviously my professional athlete dreams, you know, never worked out. But as I think back to that experience and what it's meant to me, I can very much see elements of being a point guard in pretty much every role I've taken, you know, since then. I was student body president in high school. I was student body president in college. Um, you know, I worked in consulting. I worked in product marketing. You know, all along the way, I've really had those roles where part of my job was whether or not I was formally in charge or not, really uh, bringing a whole bunch of people together to work towards a common goal and trying to motivate and, you know, get people to, to really get towards that goal. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed, um, you know, things where I could bring people along the journey with me uh, because I've just found that winning together is, is a lot more meaningful and having shared success is a lot more meaningful than winning solo. And so if I think back to that, you know, what do I wanted to be when I grew up and that and whatnot? It was really around being that athlete. And I didn't get to be that athlete, but I got to live it out in so many other ways for which I'm I'm really, really grateful for, uh, particularly through being a product marketer. Yeah, absolutely. And so many of the skills that you mentioned that you picked up in playing sports as a point guard are absolutely directly relatable to the world of business, world of product marketing. So I think it makes perfect sense mm -hmm. that you kind of found yourself in a role um, you know, like you have so far in your career, whether it's as a consultant or product marketing. And, you know, it's, it's funny you, you mentioned this whole concept of being an athlete, because, you know, if you listen to a lot of great um, leaders or even just leaders of companies who find themselves in senior positions, they always talk about how either they themselves have an experience in athletics as part of team sports. And I think that's a really critical component to highlight is this aspect of being on a team. 
um, and how they that has helped them be successful in their career and how they also look for those kinds of qualities in potential hires. It's something that I've heard similar to um, you know, companies who try and hire um, former members of the military and armed forces because of those inherent skills that you pick up day to day by living as an athlete or as someone in that, you know, that kind of um, military or armed forces setting. And again, not to equate the two because they're two completely different things. Sure. Yeah. But there are a lot of similar traits that you would pick up. Um, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of really great things about sports. There's also, you know, I think as time has gone on and we've taken a more critical lens at things in general about our society, there are definitely some parts of sports that can be improved upon and cleaned up to make them a more welcoming um, and inclusive yeah. environment for, for especially Absolutely. marginalized groups. But there are still, that being said, some some real strong soft skills um, and leadership yeah. qualities that you pick up in playing team sports, for sure. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing that I took away from it is that uh, when you're working on a team, you very much learn very quickly that the world exists outside of yourself. And you are certainly important in your own right, but there's a lot of other people who are important too. And so learning how to balance that, I think is really important. And that is more or less the life of being a product marketer at times. So I a hundred percent agree with you. And uh, I'm grateful that I was able to learn that lesson and it's proved to be valuable to me. Yeah. Right on. Awesome. Well, like I said, I'll, and I, I bears repeating, Al, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time and your insights. Uh, I'll say it again, for anybody who hasn't listened to Al Charlotte Product Marketing Careers, absolutely go check it out. Even if you enjoyed some of our conversation today, you will enjoy all of uh, Al's episodes. So go to your podcast listening device or platform of your choice, check it out, give it a review. I couldn't recommend it enough. I've thoroughly enjoyed the episodes that I listened to, and I'm sure our listeners uh, of this show will enjoy it as well. So before I let you go, um, and before I continue to heap praise upon you, I will ask you one more question, and that's, if any listeners want to connect with you, um, where can they get in touch? Yeah. And thank you again for having me on the show for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. And again, for all that you're contributing to the broader product marketing community. Uh, and if folks want to connect with me, they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, the name's Al D. I think I'm the only one. So uh, thank you for the opportunity and best of luck to all of you out there who are starting your journey in product marketing or looking to break in. Yes. Best of luck. All right. Thank you so much, Al. I'm sure we will chat again, you and I, very soon and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.